Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite, the podcast. Today I've got Linda Laganga with me. Building Better Service Systems is the thread through the tapestry of Linda's career history, which startup operations, clinical service delivery, and quality and process improvement. As an author and educator in clinical appointment scheduling and service operations, Linda has forged new frontiers of clinical appointment scheduling research and practice to promote better access to healthcare services. Linda is the VP of Quality and Informatics and Mental Health Partners, a charitable organization. MHP was founded in 1962 as Mental Health Center of Boulder County at the County General Hospital on North Broadway in Boulder. After leading a bi-coastal professional and educational life, Linda settled in Boulder, Colorado, where she walks to work as often as possible and minimizes her carbon footprint by using her eco-transit pass to the max. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you, Lori. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. I've been so excited to talk to you. Because you are working in an, in an arena that affects so many people's lives. How did you end up getting involved with mental health partners? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I actually started my career in high tech, and I always wanted to make a difference and um, really help people lead better lives. I was actually really interested in homelessness. And so while I was in my high tech world, I went back to school at night to become a therapist with the goal of um, helping people who had fallen on hard times, homelessness, um, get their way, make their way out of that. So I, I became a therapist at, through night school. And my first, actually, I had to do an internship, which was with a program working with um, homeless people. I also wanted more clinical experience, so I picked up another internship, actually, at this mental health center where I'm working now, and then got my first real paid job. I started as a therapist. Wow. And after, yeah, I did that for a year. I loved it. I thought I'd be a therapist the rest of my life. And then within that year, a job came up as director of quality improvement. And I felt like, oh, here's my big chance to not only work with people individually and make individual lives better, but I'm really a systems person. Uh-huh. And so I saw it. Yep, I saw it as the opportunity to, ah, here's how I can take the business and the management background I had. And I had learned quality in my software world, um, helping our manufacturing customers improve the quality of their products. I thought, I can roll this into healthcare and mental health care. So that's how I got on that quality track. And it suited me so well because I love building better systems and particularly systems to provide better service. So um, I did that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now, how does the informatics side, um, you know, what do you do on a day-to-day basis to put that um, out into the market? Yes. Yes, informatics. Now, here's this is really near and dear to my heart. Uh, so I do have a varied background. Before I 
got my master's in counseling, I already, I had a master's degree in operations research and statistics. So I'm an analytical kind of person. And I do like analyzing information and data again with the idea of how can what we learn help us make our systems work better. And now I'm in a place where what's exciting for me, the other thing I went back to do is to do more studying in analytics, operations research on clinical appointment scheduling so we could get more capacity out of our service systems. So being in informatics, one of my big focuses is taking the business intelligence systems that we're building and where I'm really having a lot of fun is starting to really roll that out so that our um, clinical providers are actually looking at and using that data. And the best part is when they start asking questions about what is this telling me? How could we run our practice better? And so we're building um, the newest dashboard. This one, again, near and dear to my heart, is I'm building a capacity dashboard that will tell us things like our uh, client show rates, uh, are we scheduling enough work, could we be fitting more people in, with the real goal of improving access to care so that it's timely. And then we're doing some other analytics to look at, and are those services effective? Are they working? Oh, are, that's cool. Are people- yeah, very yeah. cool. I mean, at the end of the day, you can serve more people um, with a very, very yes. important service. So that's great. What leadership qualities do you feel are necessary to succeed in today's business and really nonprofit climate? Yes, I think most important is having a vision and being able to articulate it to engage and inspire others. So through my life in quality improvement, my vision was always we are here to help service delivery people and systems do a better job. So we're really a service organization, even within a service organization. And by being able to articulate that, I've been able to attract people who resonate with that vision and want to be a part of it. Now, so how, having, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I, how do you articulate that vision? Mm-hmm. Um, really emphasizing customer service. Um, a lot of it is even in, you know, it even started with writing the ads to attract the right kind of person. I really emphasize the internal customer service. I knew I had the right people when that was what they focused on. Oh, that's great. So talking about it, continuing to talk about it with our team and what can we do better? How are we doing with that? How are we engaging others? Um, from the quality perspective, I always wanted to, I always told them we're not here to be the quality police. We're here to, to be a part of helping things work better. So just not only talking about it, doing it, living it, um, just really getting in sync with the service providers, things like that. Uh, I, I love that. That's great. Now, you've got a, a unique approach here. How do you define mm-hmm. your, your particular leadership style? And then mm-hmm. how do you approach that as well with your team? Yes. So what I look for are I'm very strengths-based. And so I look for strengths in people and the organization. Um, What I get really excited about is helping 
helping other people develop um, develop their skills and abilities, and then putting that together so we can operate as an effective team. So that involves coaching, um, listening to people, helping them to be the best they can be, and really talking to them about what are their goals, what are what do they want to accomplish, how do they see, um, how can they contribute to the organization, how can I help them get there, and by putting that all together, uh, another thing that was really exciting with um, one of the one of the big teams I managed, we were really diverse. I mean, we came from all kinds of different areas, everything from IT to um, faith and spirituality and looking at, okay, collectively, what, what are our individual strengths? And when we put them together as a team, what's the bigger picture? And what are, as a team, are there things we're heavy on? Are there other things we're lighter on? And if there are things we need to get done that we don't have the capacity within our team, who else can we collaborate with? So I think I am known as um, being very collaborative in my approach. And that, I think, has has served my teams well, me and the organization. That's fantastic. Now, how have you integrated those teams? How have you, Mm -hmm. you know, what tools or processes have you deployed to get everyone singing from the same songbook? Yeah, a lot of that is using, um, I actually, I love the Gallup books. There's a whole series, um, everything from First Break All the Rules to StrengthsFinder. The one I use a lot is Strengths-Based Leadership. That's the one that really gave me some insights about how to take people's individual strengths and look at them as a collection, and then to work with those to, um, again, look at what is our goal? We're here to serve the organization and the community better. It doesn't matter whether you're in IT. IT, you're providing systems. Um, Faith and spirituality, we're helping our clients get connected with what they need. Training, we're helping providers and others to provide better services. So always emphasizing the common goals. building teamwork, um, treating people as, as people who we enjoy each other, we have fun, we respect one another, all of, all of those things. And I think, you know, I do like to have fun. I will say that. So I like important. to have fun, and I think other people do too. Yeah. So well, using humor yeah. <laughs> when we can. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's great. Tell us about your integrated marketing communications approaches. You know, what do you use to elevate the brand and create awareness of, of the service that you provide? Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps what has worked and what has not? Yeah, well, I think of myself as a boundary spanner. And as I think you noticed, I've come from, oh, several different, um, different kinds of arenas. So I use a lot of those different arenas. For example, a lot of my, some of my professional background is in analytical sorts of things. So I've got um, a lot of professional societies, which have been great for networking, pulling in resources that can support us, which is helpful in a nonprofit, getting us visibility, 
And um, in those arenas, too, I've found that being willing to step up, volunteer, and take responsibility, I've ended up in leadership roles, usually as a vice president and president of various societies. I also do a lot of networking in local groups, such as chambers of commerce. Um, I meet a lot of people. And through that, I get the opportunity to do a lot of presenting, networking, um, and gaining visibility for the organization I work in and others. And this has garnered a lot of community support. So what's worked for me is getting to know many people in lots of different kinds of places, uh, building those relationships and staying in contact with people. I stay in contact with people for a very long time. Well, <laughs> good good for you. A lot of my old childhood friends. Uh. Yeah. So, and basically developing mutually supportive personal relationships and professional relationships that I value. As well, for what hasn't worked, I yeah, I, I was just going to, I was just going to mention, yeah, let me mention one thing though. I, I think, um, your <laughs> approach from an integrated marketing, uh, communication standpoint, I want to make this point. It is, um, it all surrounds professional, um, services. It all surrounds yes. you getting out there as an individual and, and, mm-hmm. and coaching your team to do the same thing, to, um, interact, to volunteer, to network, um, yep. to join societies yep. where you can introduce, um, the service and that. That in and itself is a very, very integrated approach from, you know, from that networking standpoint. Historically, nonprofits don't have a lot of money to use in outbound marketing strategies. So you use the strength of your own team to do that, um, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, and my other associations. Also publishing. I've written, I've published articles and do a lot of presentations. Yeah. That's great. So it is a variety Thanks. Yep. So now on to what hasn't worked. What hasn't worked? Well, doing all that, what hasn't worked is getting spread too thin, Mm. which makes it hard to keep up and follow up on commitments. So what I've had to do is trim back on some of those so I can focus and be more effective in a few key ones. For instance, I used to go to a lot of conferences. I've really had to um, trim that down and focus on right now the one I continue to go to is one that I help organize the conference. I'm still president of the College of Healthcare Operations Management and um, cut back on some of the others, which have a lot of overlap anyway. So that's being efficient. That's great. And just try. Yeah, just trying to concentrate on on some fewer things and recognizing when it's time to pass the torch to someone else. Hey, it's so. such a great feeling too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh-huh. great. Tell yes. us about a challenging time or a situation that could have devastated or even ruined the organization, but you persisted, you made tough decisions, mm-hmm. and you triumphed. How have you taken that once painful memory mm-hmm. and apply it to lessons learned to the way you work today? Yeah, the one that comes to mind is actually back when I worked for a startup software company. And um, we worked really hard. We had a very successful IPO. Um, That comes with some benefits and some challenges. The biggest one being accountability to investors. And uh, there are often things we can't control out there, economic cycles and um, we reached a point where we needed to align 
expenses with revenues, which means we needed to radically trim our staffing. Uh, so we had to eliminate uh, the entire product support team, which put a lot of pressure on other parts of the organization. So my part of the organization, what I was running was customer and sales support. And we still had software product development. Um, the real what could have devastated us is that with fewer resources, um, I think a natural consequence is that, is that resulted in we had a cycle of low mm. product quality, a lot of software bugs and errors that affected customer satisfaction and our ability to respond to our customers. But what stands out for me and what I really appreciate, and I, I, I carry this with me, is how we pulled together. We we pulled together with what was left, our customer support, our software development. We really got very collaborative in solving problems without blame. We coordinated our resources, and we even found some new ways to do things. So, um, And I attribute that to always maintained those positive relationships. So the software developers were coming out with me when I was going out to see our customers and install systems. We had software developers who were um, in this um, new role of adopt a customer. They got a lot out of that frontline um, direct uh, being with customers. So we found we had that strong participation, found ways to extend our capabilities, and I feel like we not only did we weather it, I felt like we came out stronger. And we, are, we were so strong that um, I left that organization hmm, 23 years ago. We still stay in touch. Wow. We had a reunion. Uh. Yeah. And, and yeah. So I really value it. I feel like I learned so much through that that I was even able to take with me into an entirely different industry. So started in software, went into community mental health. I attribute most of my success, particularly um, in quality management, to what I learned in the software company. And it's because it was a special place to work because of the way we operated together. Well, that's fantastic. And I tell you, that's when you just have to roll up your sleeves and get down to business mm -hmm. and make it happen. That's yeah. great. Just define yeah. success. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Define success for mental health partners. How do you know when you're there? And is there that magic moment that you feel you've made yeah. it? Yeah, I'd say for my, um, so for mental health partners in behavioral health care, our success is when everybody, clients, um, their family, really everybody who needs our help can get it quickly and effectively. So they can get an appointment, they can get service fast, and when we we are seen as a valued and reliable asset in the community, and how do we know when that's happening? It's when we get positive feedback from not only the people we serve directly, but the community that we operate in. We have a lot of partnerships within our county and other organizations. And so, yes, there's lots of things we can measure technically, and we're doing that and eliciting 
feedback. It's also the, you know, the things people tell us verbally, like you do such a good job. We're so glad you're here, as well as monitoring. Okay, and how long did it take for somebody to get in? We want that that to be faster and faster, because when people have the courage to step up and say, I need help, we need to be there for them. That's right. It it sometimes can um, be a crisis situation as well. So Mm -hmm. it it is very important. What one strategy or process have you implemented that if leaders and their teams could consistently apply every day would result in big wins for them? Mm -hmm. I think it's important to be able to adapt and adopt best practices across industries. So if there's something that's working well somewhere else, even though we're not in that industry, we can always learn from that. And part of that is getting, eliciting feedback from Uh, customers and employees, building relationships, and particularly uh, promoting employee engagement in ongoing organizational improvement. So one of, I I have an example of that. You want to hear it? I would love to. Yes. Okay. This is something, this is something I learned again in the software business, and it was in response to Um, really intense competition. And so we decided, hey, we're really good problem solvers. We started doing these um, user needs analysis. So we'd put together our SWAT team, we'd go out there, and we would interview a bunch of people at the client site. We'd tour their facility, and we'd basically ask them what, you know, what problems do you have and what would make your life better? It was great. It actually helped us get more business and sales and really serve our customers better. So the first thing I did when I moved into my role as director of quality improvement in a mental health center, I adapted that and I called it a clinical site needs analysis. Uh-huh. So I made up a questionnaire and they were basically about questions about, okay, what would help you do your job better? And I probed a few particular areas I knew there were some struggles in. I visited every team in site. There were over 50 of them. Um, gathered up their feedback. And a lot of that was building some face time. So people knew me in my new role. And from that, um, organized the feedback and came up with 12 improvement projects that I delivered across the organization. And that was everything from we have too much paperwork, typical thing you hear in healthcare. Okay, I knew we were already working on some electronic tools launched those. I got other unexpected things like we don't like the bathrooms. Okay, well, that wasn't really something I personally could fix, but I could work with the facilities people to make sure they got on it. So by getting out there, it was very much like the sales cycle. It was an internal selling kind of thing. I got a lot of buy-in from then on to what I was doing. The potential problem when you're in quality improvement in healthcare. You could be seen as the police. That was not the way I wanted to approach it. Uh, there were people who remembered that for years, and I felt like got off on the right foot, had tremendous cooperation, and really helped, um, again, built that whole methodology to attract people who wanted to work in that kind of team that took that approach. That's fantastic. And and you've built quite a few teams. I mean, your 
your yeah. um, background is just really phenomenal. You even spent 20 years at um, Mental Health Center of Denver building teams, yes. which, which I think is one of the uh-huh. examples that you're just referencing now. How did you keep, yes. what did you do to maintain that thought process with each of these teams? Yeah, um, continuing, well, we we would continue to reevaluate our processes. There are some things we're required to do by state regulations, but always looking at how can we do it better? If it's, if it's losing its edge, how do we keep doing it in a way that engages the clinical teams that we need to review and provide feedback to, um, even asking them for their input, what's helpful, what's not. So getting into allowing people um, to be creative and to use their strengths. Uh, Another example, one thing we always had to do was an annual quality improvement plan that can get so, I have to admit, that can get really boring. (laughs) I had a person who was very creative with visual layout. I encouraged her, great, run with it. And that kept it fresh. It kept her engaged. So again, it's that part of helping people, recognizing what their strengths and interests are and not only encouraging them to do it, giving them the time and space to do it. Oh, that's great. Now, you you can tell through our discussion today and in your energy, you've got such a passion for what you do. What do you want to be known for and, you know, mm-hmm. what is it and why? Yeah, you know, I think this goes back to childhood. I've always wanted to make the world a better place. Mm. And I take that into, I want to make my organizations that I work in a better place. I actually really pride myself on um, wherever I go, I I leave things much better than I found them. That's that old Girl Scout thing. <laughs> and yeah, sure and is. right now, and so it is, a lot of it is building process and structure where none existed. Uh solving persistent problems that were dragging the organization down. Really a big thing I've been focusing on um, more recently, well, probably the last couple of decades in my career, is better access to health care, and especially for underserved populations. And that's really why I went back to school and focused on um, clinical scheduling and all of that. And I also, you know, and the other piece I've mentioned is um, as a as a manager leader, um, I I really want to be known for helping helping people develop their potential, and actually that includes both employees and the clients we serve. Well, I tell you, anybody that works for you or with you or is a part of Mental Health Partners uh, is certainly being served well. Um, Linda Laganga, thank you so much for being on the show today. From high tech to behavioral health care, you have really, really done some amazing things, and I love that you think of yourself as a boundary expander. Thank you very, very much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Lori. I appreciate it. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.